if you are sitting by anybody who does children's messages, can you thank them and give them a pat on the shoulder for uh, taking care of our kids and wrangling them and teaching them about Jesus? Uh, Thank you to any who step up and do that. I can't help when uh, reading the transfiguration of, of actually trying to put myself in the shoes of the disciples who were there. And really wondering what on earth is going on in that moment. And asking themselves, is this what they actually signed up for in their journey, in their walking with Jesus? I don't know if in in your own life, if you have ever been on a journey or started a new stage of life and, and come to the point in time where you ask, is this really what I signed up for? I... Every day. <laughs> Whenever I think of that, I think of the, the day after uh, my wife and I were married. And you're, you're coming out of the wedding and everything is really uh, exciting. And, and we were at, I think it was Target or the containment store or something like that. Getting ready to, to put our two apartments together and, and move in. And I, it was becoming increasingly clear as we were shopping, that I needed to confess to her something. So I, <laughs> so I stopped and I said, uh, listen, Christy, I need to tell you this now before we really get going. Uh, I don't share very well <laughs> at all. And, and, and the, the response was just this look of, what have we done? <laughs> I can imagine a similar face just coming on the disciples on several points as they were on their journey with Jesus. What is going on and what have we gotten ourselves into? Sleeping in different places, wandering around, hearing a guy talk about things that were previously unknown or not possible at all. And dealing with some of the people that they actually dealt with. Eating with the prostitutes, talking to the tax collectors, touching the lame and the sick. All through Epiphany, as we've gone through these different stories, we've seen what Epiphany is about. Revealing who Jesus actually is. That He is the Son of God. And in all of these stories, the disciples are sitting on the side, and I can only imagine them wondering, What on earth is going on? A few of them go up the mountain with the Lord, probably unaware of what is about to happen. And while they they are up there, the transfiguration begins. We look at the transfiguration as, as a peeling back of the veil, giving us a glimpse Not just of the resurrected Jesus, but but the Jesus that we actually talk to right now. The Jesus that we confess and profess to be here among us right now. Not just the one that we say is in our hearts, but, but the one who reigns over heaven and earth right now and responds to our pleas and our cries. In the transfiguration, this is who we see. Christ in His light and in His glory. 
And that is who you have in your life. This is who we see on top of the mountain. And the disciples fall asleep. Much like you do during a sermon. (laughs) The news is being spoken of. The prophets are speaking to Jesus. What they are actually talking about is the crucifixion that is to come. What the purpose of Jesus' coming was for. And as they awake out of their stupor, a cloud comes in their midst. A cloud that there would be confusion, making them feel lost, not even being able to see the transfigured Lord. To hear the same thing that we started Epiphany with. This is my son. Listen to him. Listen to him. We start with the the baptism of our Lord and we know very well that in the baptism as the Spirit descends on Him, a voice speaks from the heavens that says, This is My Son in whom I am well pleased. And here today in the center of the Gospel, in the same story found in the center of three of our Gospels, is the same thing spoken. This is My Son. No longer should the disciples ask who our Lord is. They've seen Him healed. They've seen Him teach. They've seen Him forgive sins. And now to solidify the point, they see Him in His glory and the words of the Father spoken again, This is My Son. And the hardest part of all, listen to Him. What is it that we have to listen to? Why is it upon seeing our Lord in His full glory that the instructions come to us to listen to Him from here on? It would be one thing for a Jewish peasant to be led to crucifixion and to die. It would be a completely different thing for the Son of God to be led to crucifixion and die. It would be one thing for me as a simple person without any authority behind me to stand before you and to say you are loved. It would be a different thing for someone who had the full glory of God exposed on top of a mountain to say to you, you are forever loved. It is one thing For the various persons wandering around Israel at the time to walk up to somebody dealing with their illness and their sickness and to hear, go now, your sins are forgiven and sin no more. But it's another thing for the fullness of God and the person of Christ to walk on that land, to come up, to heal the lame, and to say, your sins are forgiven, go and sin no more. Even the Pharisees stopped and asked, no one can forgive sins but God. In the transfiguration, we see that's exactly right. No one can forgive sins except for God. 
here in His full glory, is the one that the prophets spoke of and talked about. Here in the fullness of His light before the disciples is the one that all of Scriptures were pointing to. Moses and Elijah themselves talked about. Here before them is the one that all things pointed to as the hope of creation. Here is the one that the Father testified about twice now in the presence of the disciples that He is the Son of God. And now that Son of God is in your life as well. At the end of the transfiguration, it says that the disciples walked down the mountain and kept it to themselves. Except for they really didn't, did they? We just read it. Upon seeing the resurrected Lord... The disciples felt so emboldened to be able to speak of the things that they had seen. The testimony that was given about Jesus to be the Son of God. Before the resurrection, who would have believed them? But after the power of God being shown, not only in a crucified Lord, but one that was risen from the dead, they can speak of His fullness and of His glory. They can speak of a light that was so radiant and so bright, it can be compared to the stars and the sun. It can be so bright that they describe it as a literal transfiguration before their eyes. A light that is so bright and so deep that it drove the darkness away from the eyes of the disciples, out of the lives of the apostles, and out of your life today. A light that is so penetrating that it goes deep into our souls and takes out that darkness and sin and brings in love and forgiveness in its place. A light that cannot be extinguished. Paul talks about it in this way, that we do not do battle against the flesh, but we battle against the authorities and the governances of this world and of this present darkness that we are in. And we can only have that being said about us because we have the light of Christ, the light of the transfigured Lord in our lives. Paul again says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, about those who remain in darkness, who look upon the law, that every time the law of Moses is read, a veil covers their heart. But it has not been removed because only Christ is the one that takes it away. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. And the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with our unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. A light that is so bright that wherever it is, there is freedom also. A light that battles the darkness that is around us. 
In our Old Testament reading, Moses stands on top of the mountain and hears the witness from the Lord of all the gifts that is to come. Previously, when Moses went up onto the mountain to receive the gifts of a, of a Ten Commandments and the law, he came down the mountain by himself. But our transfigured Lord, as was pointed out to me earlier this week, came down the mountain with his disciples. He went on his journey with the disciples. He continued to walk with them. He continued to talk with them. He continued to be with them. He even stayed with them and came back for them when they denied him. But this transfigured Lord, who we now know contains such full glory and such full light, came down the mountain with his disciples. Came back to his disciples. And made this promise to his disciples. At the end of his time at ascension, he said, Behold, I will go with you always to the ends of the earth. This transfigured Lord didn't stay up on the mountain. Peter wanted him to stay. Peter wanted everything to stay the way there was. He wanted to build the altars. He wanted to put up the tents. He wanted to stay in that place and let their worship be there. Stay in that awe. And Jesus goes down the mountain with Him into the world. Into the life that we have into the deep and darkness that we struggle against. Why? Because it is by His light that we can live. It is in His light that we can battle this darkness back. It is in this transfigured Lord that we know we have the power of God with us. This all-consuming and powerful light. So as we go from this place, as we leave this mountaintop experience of Lutheran worship, the Lord goes with us. He goes into the tents of our homes. He goes into the places of our lives. He doesn't stop shining. The veil has been taken away for us permanently now. Upon seeing Him, we see the light of God. And it goes with us to the ends of the world. Let us leave with confidence in knowing the One who goes with us is nothing but the fullest Son of God. Amen?